0: Welcome to the Renew Theology Podcast. I'm Emily.
1: And I'm Bethany.
0: We're two millennial women who enjoy discussing God's Word and how it applies to our lives. We believe in seeking to be rooted and established in the Word and allowing its truth to penetrate every area of our lives. this week's episode of Renew Theology. Today we're going to be talking to you about studying the Bible and Bethany and I are going to share some tips, tools, and teachers to help you study the Bible and to help you strengthen your relationship with God.
1: Gotta love that alliteration. Yeah, that was Bethany's idea. I feel like a Southern Baptist pastor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what are we talking about first today, Bethany? Bethany.
1: So first, we're going to talk about the different tools that we both use when we're doing Bible study or tools that we're aware of. Um, Since it's a little bit different for everybody and everyone learns different, please don't feel the need to use every single thing that we talk about, but try them out. See what works best for you. So first, this is one that I've more recently got into. It's the Read Scripture app. Now, Read Scripture is kind of a ministry or material from the Bible Project, and it's an app on your phone. You can probably get it on the computer too, but it breaks down the Bible into chunks that take about 15 minutes or so to read through. You have a passage of um, everything except Psalms, and then you have a passage of the Psalms. And my favorite feature about this is that at the beginning of the regular passage and at the beginning of the Psalms, there's this little dot and it gets bigger and it gets smaller and you kind of breathe with it. And it says, just take a moment um, to reflect as you spend time with the Lord or as you read his word. And it's a really good reminder for me to pause and take a deep breath and realize, okay, I'm studying the word. Calm my heart, calm my mind, calm my emotions, shut out anything that's going to be distracting and really take it seriously. I think too often my struggle is I go straight into reading and I don't take the time for the word. What's your favorite part about the Read Scripture app?
0: I personally really like the videos. This is an app I started using in, I think it was December. There are videos that go with different portions of the scripture that you're studying. So not every day, but several, you know, maybe a couple times a week, there are going to be videos that go with your daily reading. And these are seven minute videos from the Bible Project. So for example, when you're reading through Leviticus, there's a little video on the theme of holiness in the Bible. Um, When you're reading through Genesis, there is, when you start the book of Genesis, there is a video about the overarching themes of Genesis and it's sort of an introduction to the book. So that when you start reading, you have a really good idea of the historical context and where this fits into the bigger picture of those scriptures. So I really appreciate that. The other thing I really like about this app is the um, two different types of plans that you can use. You can either do a read the Bible in a year plan, in which case um, you can start it on any day. It does not start just January 1st. You can just say start today and it's going to split the plan up over the next 365 days. There's also a read at your own pace plan. So that allows you to just work through it whenever you have time and it doesn't it doesn't assign a date to each passage so you literally if you only if you want to use it with another bible plan that you already have and you only want to you know open that up once or twice a week you can do that so those are the two features i really appreciate the videos and the different two different types of plans that you can use Another tool that I really like to use is my Bible. Now, of course, this may seem obvious, (laughs) but almost a year ago, I purchased my first journaling Bible. Now, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, I've been using an ESV Bible for quite a while, but I started taking more and more notes in my Bible and I would just use a pencil and I was getting frustrated with the lack of space in my smaller Bible. So I purchased a journaling Bible. Um, with the ESV you can get the two column or the single column so anyway I really appreciate I really appreciate my journaling Bible because it gives me lots of space to write in and then along with my journaling Bible I still have a notebook so I will use the notebook to write um, personal thoughts or reflections sermon notes Sunday school notes anything that's going to you know require a bit more space and then in my Bible I'll write things that are specific to the verse or passage that I'm reading. So if there's a certain word I want to highlight or if there's a phrase that I want to expand on, I'll write those sorts of things straight in my Bible so that next time I'm reading that passage, it's there and I see it and remember it. What I noticed was that I would take a lot of notes in my journal, but I would never ever go and read through old journals, right? And like
1: forget. and you'd forget.
0: Exactly. So that's where writing straight in my Bible has been really helpful to me and since I have this space It's not too much of a distraction for me when I'm rereading those passages later on. So I also have a journaling Bible.
1: Mine was a gift when I was in university during one of my classes. It's an HCSB. We talked about translations last week. Um, So tune in for those ones. Talk about why we have different translations. But um, I had already been writing in my Bible. It was an NLT like application (laughs) and it was pretty thin pages and I was filling it with notes. So the church I was going to at the time when I was in university was incredible. It totally opened the word to me. Um, They have a a teaching team of pastors. And so um, they would each come together to do the sermon. And each of them would have a a different specialty that they would do. And I just found I never walked out of those doors without having learned something incredible or had something in my heart transformed or had God touch me in some way. And so I started taking lots of notes like, like filling it. We were going through Luke for like two years (laughs) when I was there and I can flip through those pages in my Bible and they're just covered. But because I didn't have a lot of space, I was running into that problem. And then I felt the conviction to switch my actual study to a more um, word for word translation. So then I realized I had this HCSB. And in my journaling Bible, I like having the space to write those notes on either side, and then I can still use up more parts of the margin beside the words if I need to. Um, I usually color code mine. That's another um, tool you can use, I guess.
0: I also like to use a couple of different apps when I'm studying. So I know it's a common tip to not have your phone out when you're when you're having your quiet time but I've just realized I just need to say no to certain apps when I'm having my quiet time but I keep my phone handy because I like I mentioned earlier I like to use the read scripture app but a couple of other apps I find really helpful are the Matthew Henry commentary app which is just a free app you can download in the app store it's not, you know, super pretty, but it's helpful when I just want an, a new perspective on a passage or if I don't understand what a passage is saying, it's helpful to look that up and just have that close by and not have to, you know, go to a bookshelf or pull out my computer and, and look something up. I also really like using the YouVersion app. Um, this is just, it's the probably the most popular um, Bible app out there. So I don't use it for my usual readings. I like to have an actual... Bible in front of me however it is super handy when I need to compare translations which is something we'll talk a little bit about later but if I want to see hey like what does this verse say in the New Living Translation or even in the message if I just want a different perspective you know or often I'll look it up in the Amplified Bible because it'll have added words or phrases that will expand on an idea. So I really like using the Version app um, for those reasons And it even has a feature where you can just select a verse and then select different translations you want to compare it to. And then you'll actually be able to see all on the same screen that one verse in different versions. I did that in Sunday school in church last week and Bethany was nudging me and being like, wow, how are you doing that? Yeah, I kind of freaked out at that because I'm like, I just toggle between them and then go scroll and find the verse again. Like This will save me so much time. I love it. Yeah, it's super handy. So those are two apps that I just find are a nice addition to my Bible study time. Um, so
1: I also, like version. it is one of the most common Bible apps. I think it was one of the very first Bible apps. So one thing that I learned about when I was in one of my Bible study classes was using Bible software. So there's Logos is like the Cadillac of Bible, Bible software. I don't have one of those, but I had heard about it. And that if you want to spend a bit of money, you can get access to a bajillion commentaries and all these different like translations and all, all this different extra material which is awesome but i there's a couple free options online one is blue letter bible and if you can find one where you can do the translation comparison or you can look up words so in the like there's certain concordances where you can look up the the number of this word which is like a holman christian standard thing And then you can look up that word and it's got the number. And any time that Greek word had appeared, you can pull that up, which is pretty incredible. So I would definitely suggest looking into using some of those if you're more into like deeper study, like word studies, or if you're looking into the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Latin, that would probably be helpful in comparing different things. Um, So I find that those are helpful. And there's a lot of stuff out there. Do your own research. A quick like 15 minute Google search will bring you up a lot of different options.
0: The last tool that I like to use is something that is a wonder of the internet world and that is Google. So, a lot of the time I will just Google what does this word mean or sometimes um, I will Google a thesaurus for a word. So, today I was reading, I forget what passage, but It sober minded was one of the words. Be sober minded. And I was just like, hmm, what exactly does sober minded mean? Like what does that mean in today's world? So I just Googled thesaurus synonyms for sober minded. And that was just helpful for I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, take every one of those words and replace the word sober-minded with it, but it was just helpful to expand my idea of what sober-minded meant, and it just helped me to apply the passage in a fresh way. So sometimes Google is helpful for that, or even looking at maps. My Bible doesn't have um, any maps in it, so it's sometimes helpful for me to just Google, like, hey, where is this area, or where is this ancient biblical
1: city? Dude, you gotta have the maps. Like, you gotta find them and use them. Like, I took i took a bible archaeology class and and like i've been been in the bible my whole life because i went to church my whole life and i had never really put together the fact that jesus came from a place where it was like a forest and that sometimes you have to get from the forest to jerusalem you have to go through a bit of the desert like the the israeli desert that you got like trying to put those things together or the idea that if someone's near a lake or like the sea of galilee there's probably green stuff there. Like sometimes we think of Israel as just all dirt or desert. It's not true. And then trying to figure out, okay, this this place is this close to this place, and going to geography. Like when Jesus is going through Samaria, why, why, why is that important? And I find it just helps you have like a better mental image of what's going on where, and you can place it historically rather than like not as a story. It's like real when you can put it on the geography. And Israeli geography is actually. Pretty interesting. Where they are in the world is really incredible. God has placed them in a very, very lucky spot. It's probably the most fought over land in history. Okay, so we're going to breeze past. Or three people that we've talked about a lot. Um, Mike Winger, BibleThinker.org. Watch his stuff, like him on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. He's pretty awesome. I think we've talked a lot about him. Um, Emily, do you want to do a quick Tim Mackey blurb
0: and Bible Project blurb? Sure. We've mentioned before that we really enjoy the Bible Project and uh, read scripture app. Um, One of the founding members of the Bible Project is a guy named Tim Mackey. He's a pastor. I don't think he's currently employed as a pastor at any church. I believe he sort of stepped away from that in order to commit himself a little bit more fully to the Bible project, but he has some really good sermons. He has a podcast where he's just been every week releasing old sermons, and um, that podcast is called Exploring My Strange Bible, and he um, has some really excellent sermons on there. He's very good at just bringing new life to different scriptures, Um, and he is very... Into the historical context of of passages and the cultural context, so that's been something that I've learned a lot about um, through him. So
1: the next person I'd like to talk about is C.S. Lewis. If you ask me if I want to sit down and have lunch with anybody in history other than Jesus, it's C.S. Lewis. <laughs> he has some really, really in depth. Books that he's written, um, *Mere Christianity*. I've read that one. *Screw Tape Letters* is pretty amazing. Of course, *Chronicles of Narnia* is the best book series ever written, so you should
0: probably read it if you haven't. *The Great Divorce* is a really good book too. I really enjoyed that one.
1: Oh, did you read that one? I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, I've read that one a couple times. I like it. Anyway, so he is his. I think you can find most of his stuff in the public domain for free at this point, um, aside from the novels per se. But I'm, I, I think God has truly or had truly. Blessed him with a gift of putting things in words that most of us can't, and they're so succinct. And giving him a glimpse into God's heart and the way that Christian, being a Christian, works. And I'm just so grateful that um, C.S. Lewis was responsive um, to God's call in his life to bring
0: all of that wisdom to the rest of us. So, of course, um, Bethany and I do have our favorite teachers we like to learn from over the internet or through reading their material. But I do want to point out that we both have some great teachers at our church um, who have also really contributed to our spiritual growth. And so although it's really helpful to have lots of people who you can get different perspectives from and different resources from, those people don't replace having mentors and having people who are actually seeing your life and who are involved in your life and who are in a position to call you out if there's something that needs to change or who are in a position to give you wise counsel if you have a tough decision to make. That's very important as well. So I just want to point out that at different points in my life there have been different people who have spoken to me in a personal way and that has been super helpful as well for for me and my spiritual walk.
1: I'm going to ditto everything that she said. You can watch YouTube videos and listen to podcasts and read books and everything, but it's so much more meaningful when you can have conversations and ask questions and have that sort of interaction with those people who are teaching and preaching and sharing. And I do believe that God gifts certain people with the ability to teach. And I'm very, we're very blessed to have some of those people at our church currently. And I'm so thankful that they have answered God's call to do that. The important part that I think about having teachers that you are like in a relationship with as a learner is that it brings you out of the clouds. Like there aren't just certain people who have online ministries and those aren't the only ones that God has blessed. Like God has blessed people in the church, laymen to help his people. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the internet world or the book world and we forget that there are people who are being faithful to God's call right in your own church, in your own community, and to support them the best way that you can and to learn from them because God has blessed them. So Felicia Masonheimer, shout out, we both went to LU. She is a, has an online ministry to women. It's called, she has a website called Driven Women. She's done a bunch of resources. She has a lot of stuff about theology and how that, impacts women and how women need to be in the word and how to live out your life practically as a believer in the world, be that as a wife or a mother or a student or a single person or a teacher in your church or like someone like a child or a son or like a daughter in your home. Um, And that's very practical that um, we appreciate. She also does a lot of really good work on the different relationships you can have in your life, specifically women and how they relate to sex and how that's important. And she does a lot of really good stuff on Facebook and Instagram. And she's got really good books and she has a Driven Women course that she does about how to be productive in your life and be responsive and submissive and respectful and to obey
0: God's call on your life. Um, whatever that is. So I just wanted to take a minute and talk about how we can know what teachers we should be listening to. There are a lot of people in the world who are Christians or who write Christian books or produce Christian Christian content who are not biblically centered and who are not really Christ followers. In scripture, of course, we're warned about false teachers. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about that. And try and offer a few pointers so that when you come across a new teacher online, you have an idea of how to know whether or not you can trust them. One thing to look for is look for people who are not emotional when they're discussing controversial issues. (laughs) So by emotional, I don't mean people who feel deeply, that's not what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about people who get really worked up when they're sharing their opinion and they're getting so passionate and so fired up that you're almost like, I'm not sure if you're looking at this rationally anymore. I've witnessed people do this and it's like, okay, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to trust you because I'm not sure that you're being reasonable and I'm not sure you're, I'm not sure you're being objective right now.
1: So this is probably something I'm working on because I can get super flamboyant and extravagant and exuberant, about things that I'm super passionate about. And I can go so far that that passion is clouding my original intention or message that I want to come across or bring across. I'm really working on that to try and make sure I'm level-headed and calm and that I'm presenting the information in a way that the information is the key, not how excited I am about it or how annoyed I am about it. Sometimes when I get super passionate about something, I get judgmental or rude or I put people down in my attempt to bring across my point. And so that's something I'm working on. But I see that in other church leaders or apologetic apologists or people online. And it, it's kind of a turnoff because it's not really a way to treat a Christian brother or sister if indeed that's what they are. And if they're an unbeliever, also not a way to treat them. Like it's also not okay if they're a, a if they're a member of a different religion it's still not okay to treat them rudely or judgmentally in, in the way that you're completely condemning them. That's not okay. It's when it's love that binds us together. Like You will know them by their love for one another. And I want people to know me f- because of my love for the Lord and the way that I love other people, not my fiery passion about some
0: sort of controversial issue I feel
1: super strong about.
0: Something else that's super important to look for when you come across a Bible teacher or someone who claims to be a Bible teacher is check if they are committed to the truth of scripture. There are a lot of people out there who will quote scripture or use scripture to prove their point, but they are not committed to the truth of scripture. They are not submitting themselves to the authority of scripture. You can check this pretty easily. Um, if somebody quotes a Bible verse, go look it up. We've talked about context in um, previous episodes. Check the context. Is the verse they're quoting being used in it, in the context that it was meant to be used in? Is the verse that they're quoting um, accurate? Is it in line with other passages of scripture? These are things that you can check to see if somebody is using scripture appropriately. You can also tell if they are submitting to the authority of scripture if they are not allowing their own opinions to influence their interpretation of scripture. I have listened to different people who are willing to discuss the hard controversial issues because they are submitting to the authority of scripture. They don't mind talking about women submitting to their husbands because that's what scripture says and they're not out there to try and explain it away because scripture doesn't explain it away. They're not there to um, make it sound like, you know, women have no voice in a marriage because that's also not what scripture says. They are not pushing an agenda with scripture, but rather they are saying this is what scripture says and this is how we apply it to our lives. A third thing you can do if you suspect somebody is a false teacher, is to check everything they say with scripture. So don't just look up the verses that they're referring to, but actually take stuff that they say, um, statements they make, and check that against scripture. Bill Johnson, who is the senior pastor at Bethel, once said in a sermon that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. So anything outside of what we see in Jesus Christ is not correct theology. That sounds really good, but here's the thing. Scripture does not reflect that. There is a lot of theology that is not reflected in Christ the Son. For example, God the Father, right? Jesus is not the Father in the Trinity, but that doesn't mean that all theology pertaining to the Father and who the Father is as a member of the Trinity is not true or applicable, right? So, when you take things that people say, and you start to measure them against scripture, you will quickly be able to determine whether or not they are allowing scripture to be their authority rather than a way they can just prove their own ideology. Just remember that false teachers um, are not going to tell other Christians blatant lies, okay? Because Christians know better than that. If you're a Christian, you're not going to buy a blatant lie. What they do instead is they tell half-truths. So instead, we have things that we wouldn't look at them and say they're wrong, but they're almost right, right? So that's where we run into issues. So that's where we as Christians need to have a lot of discernment. I'm just going to read 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 to you. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So here Timothy is um, warning the church about false teachers who are going to come in, right? This is not a new issue. This has been happening for hundreds of years, right? We've been dealing with this ever since the church began. And what this looks like is people saying, okay, I like what that person says because that sounds good to me, or I like what that person says because it agrees with the opinions i already have or i like what that person says because it agrees with the theology i was raised in that's not how we check if somebody is a false teacher we check if somebody is a false teacher by comparing them to scripture and scripture has to be our standard because it is the objective standard we cannot compare people against our own standards because we as people are not objective so that's where comparing what people say against scripture is so important
1: that was really good i agree with so much of that and i think There may be a difference between finding a false teacher and finding someone who maybe is a bit off in their theology, or maybe believes a couple things, or maybe more than a few things that might not be supported in scripture. I think there's a difference between that and a false teacher.
0: Yeah, a false teacher is somebody who is changing the gospel. When I say false teacher, I don't mean somebody who differs in opinion from me on a minor, secondary, non-gospel issue. When I say false teacher, I'm talking about somebody who is adding to or taking away from the gospel. That is a false teacher. A false teacher is anybody who says grace plus something.
1: Here's here's an example. A person who believes that a woman must wear a skirt to be a Christian or cover her head to be uh, to be saved, that person would be a false teacher. But someone who thinks that, Um, You should take communion a certain way. There's actually like that's okay. You're allowed to have differences like that. That's not gonna totally blow blow it out of proportion. a list of tips
0: for Bible study. Emily, do you want to take the first one? So the first tip is prayer. This might sound super obvious or cliche or whatever, but something that I do when I'm opening my Bible to study is I always take a moment to pray. And I just I just ask the Lord to show me what he wants me to hear. And I ask him to reveal to me the things that he wants me to learn And the things that he wants me to notice. And I just ask him to make my heart and my mind receptive to what he wants to teach me. All right. Tip number two is to read the
1: passage out loud. Um, When I do this, it forces me to slow down, focus on each word. Um, I'm a really fast reader. Like I learned how to speed read when I was in school because I had to like read really fast in my textbooks to catch up when I hadn't spent the actual time. Um, So I tend to skip words, even if I'm reading a novel I find myself just reading, like, the words that people say, not the describing words in between. <laughs> so I, I I, get to a point and I'm like, okay, how are they standing over here? Like, I thought they were, like, sitting down in the library, but now they're by trees? I don't understand. It's because I've missed all of the um, little parts in between. Um... So when you read aloud, it helps you to slow down and to read each word very carefully. It helps you not to miss things. And I like reading the Psalms out loud specifically because those can be used as a prayer to God. Praying God's word back to him is a really neat way of worshiping him and honoring the word that he has given us.
0: As I mentioned before, I like to read in different translations and I like to be able to compare different translations. So that is something that's really helpful for me. It just allows me to gain a new perspective on a passage or hear it in different wording and sometimes for me that can be really helpful in applying that passage to my life.
1: Next one is from my pastor when I was in university. If it's repeated, it's important. And he'd say, if it's repeated, and then the congregation would say, it's important. It's this little thing we had. Um, and it's it was a good reminder that when you're reading through a passage, if a word is repeated, if a phrase is repeated, pay attention. They're trying to draw your attention to that um, and then try to figure out why is this important. So an example would be in Isaiah When the phrase is holy, 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 why is that repeated three times? Hmm, might be something to think about. And this can be like, it's not just for words either. It can be for phrases or ideas or concepts um, that or principles even that I repeated should be important. Next is to, hey, reread the passage. You're not going to catch everything the first time. It's not like a novel where it doesn't really matter if you miss a couple things or a textbook where it doesn't really matter. This is God's word. This is something you really want to sink your teeth into and then really rest in. So you don't want to miss things. When you reread things, I mean, three times is probably, if you're trying to study a passage, like study it, I would say reading it three times is the minimum. But if it's short enough, maybe read it three times a day for a whole week, or you might try memorizing it. That might help too.
0: So this next one is something I personally struggle with, but consistency—that's—it's uh, definitely a spiritual discipline to be in the Word regularly. Consistency is vital for Bible study. I don't—I don't, I don't want to
1: say you should read the Bible every single day. I don't want to put that on you. But being consistent is important. Whether it's every day or every other day, or maybe you split it up so three days a week you spend an hour in dedicated Bible study, Um, that's that's good. Um, If if that's how you choose to do it, that might even be more value than just ten minutes um, for every day of the week. But keep keep going, keep going. If you miss a couple days, just get back on. It's okay. There's grace for that. Like. God knows you're human. God knows that you're going to make mistakes and he's allowed for that. He's very gracious, but he wants you to be close to him. And one of the ways you do that is through
0: reading the word. Something that I've always really enjoyed doing is keeping notes and journaling about what God has been teaching me or prayers he's answered or how I'm feeling about a certain situation and how God has spoken to me in that situation or even about a Bible passage that has been particularly meaningful for me at that point in my life. Um, keeping a record of this is just really helpful, and it's so encouraging to go back in that journal a year or two later and see how God answered my prayer or how God worked in my life at that point. That's really fun to do sometimes.
1: Our last tip is to study the Bible with someone else, whether that's with one other person, like a friend, or or being a part of a group Bible study is important too. Um, You get a better perspective. You hear other people, what they think about it, or what they have learned about it, and they get to share their wisdom. And you get to grow together. Um, That's probably something I've enjoyed most about um, doing this podcast with Emily is that when we're studying or when we're watching videos and we're watching the same ones, we get together and we get to um, encourage and edify each other with what we've learned and we get to grow together, which is really cool.
0: So that wraps up our discussion for tips, tools, and teachers for studying the Bible. And now we are going to have our question of the week. Okay, so our question this week is, dum-dum-dum. what is the most illegal thing you have ever done?
1: Um. Okay, this is kind of bad, I know. Aside from like minor traffic things, like speeding a little, little bit, uh, the very first, the very first time I ever drove illegally, I was grade seven, grade eight age, and we were on the way back home from youth, and in a car that had four seatbelts, we had seven or eight people. I'm a firstborn, and my head was like, no, no, wrong, you're gonna get a ticket, we're in so much trouble. You can never tell your parents. In fact, if they're listening to this, and this is the first time you're hearing about it, sorry, I lived, as you can see. Um, but I just thought it was so funny that it's the, my, my church, like my youth leaders, who were. Driving me in this car legally because I did not have a seatbelt on. Or no, no, never mind. Sorry, I was like, I need a seatbelt. Like we can do this, but I need a seatbelt. And it was a very small car, and we were packed in there. We had a great old time, but anyway, that's it. That's my legal
0: thing. How about you? So let me get this straight. Yeah, your most the most illegal <laughs> thing you've ever done is not worn a seatbelt when if you had been in an accident. No, I wore a
1: seatbelt, but there were seven people in the car. That's and were not illegal.
0: Okay, well No, I'm um, sorry. Downloaded that does music not count. Actually, Mine I is way worse yet. than that. That Kay. does not count. Okay, um You were wearing a seatbelt and there were extra people in the car. <laughs> that's not illegal.
1: I don't know if I've actually
0: done illegal things then. That was my thing. Are you serious? Okay, Emily, what is the most
1: illegal thing you've ever done in your life?
0: I have ran a red light before.
1: <gasps> On purpose? no
0: not on purpose
1: i don't know if that counts then i've run red lights
0: before i didn't i didn't mean it (laughs) that's way more illegal than wearing a seat belt it doesn't matter okay but i know i thought
1: i think it's intentional i think what you it has to be intentional you don't mean to write red red lights. i've
0: never intentionally broken the law i'm gonna explain this a little bit i was really deep in thought which is terrifying it freaked me right out I was scared the whole way home because that just really freaked me out but I was coming up on this intersection the intersection was empty there was one car on the same road as me but in the opposite lane ahead of me stopped at this light and I just went through the light I didn't like my brain did not register that it was that like I saw that it was red but my brain did not register that that meant I had to stop wow yeah it was what scary. were you thinking about I don't remember huh. I just remember I was really deep in thought about something and and there were no cars like going the opposite way nobody had to slam on any brakes yeah exactly but it really freaked me right out i like called my husband on the way home and i was like i just ran a red light and he was like (laughs) he was like did you get pulled over i was like well no and he's like okay like he did you think you had to go turn yourself into the police station yeah i was like i i want to do this but i know they're not going to do anything with me they're going to be like that's nice you ran a red light what do you want us to do like there were
1: yeah, you know, but and I, think I mean, if a cop
0: had been there, I would have just been like, "Yep, I'm sorry. I just ran that red light. I have no excuse. Like, yeah, but it I really freaked me out.
1: I've done that. There's this there's the stoplight on the way home from church. And it's like a crosswalk, not an actual road um, stop with the lights. There's just a pedestrian crosswalk and it, it's like never red. <laughs> like that's the route I drive to church and most other places sometimes. That's the route. Like I drive to church all the time and there's like rarely ever anyone who crosses that crosswalk when I'm on the road and somebody hit it red and I think I was like 17. I was young and I ran it and my mom was in the car and I did not hear the end of that. I like freaked out. Like my body went into shock. Like I felt the adrenaline so bad. It was awful. Like, I still remember it, and I just didn't, like, I just blew right on past. Didn't even think about it, because it's a light that is never red. And that is a wrap for this episode of the Renew Theology podcast. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have concerns... You can find us on Facebook at the Renew Theology Podcast, on Instagram at Renew Theology. You can email us at RenewTheology at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook. Um, we would really appreciate it if you would rate us on Apple Podcasts or like iTunes, same thing. Um, those are really going to help other people find this podcast. And if you would leave us a review... I will personally read it. Like we are, we would love that. That would be so helpful, and it would help get this podcast out to other people who may need it. Um, thank you so much for listening and for your support. This is episode ten, and we are so excited to be on this journey. We hope that you're going to stick with us. Bye.